Welcome to Protecting Hope, stories of successful, sustainable tourism. Join us as we travel the globe listening to impactful stories about how sustainable tourism to protected areas contributes to environmental conservation, local economies, and human well-being. This podcast is brought to you by the Center for Protected Area Management at Colorado State University in partnership with the U.S. Forest Service International Programs Office and is supported by funding from the U.S. Agency for International Development. Episode 4, Inside Chaos, We Have Hope, with Gloria Mwenge. Hello, everyone. My name is Ryan Fincham. I'm the director of our Center for Protected Area Management at Colorado State University, and I'm going to be one of your hosts of this podcast, Protecting Hope. Welcome back, everyone, to Protecting Hope, the podcast where we share successful stories and inspiration about sustainable tourism around the world. Today, I'm with Gloria Mwenye from the Democratic Republic of Congo. I've been in touch with Gloria for a number of years now. She participated in one of our training seminars in the U.S. several years back, and then we invited her back to present in our first Women's Leadership in Conservation seminar online. Welcome, Gloria. It's so great to reconnect. How, how are you doing? Hi, everyone. It's always a pleasure to be part of the process of hope in the sustainable tourism process. So as uh, Ryan introduced me, my name is Gloria Mwenge. I'm one of the promoter of sustainable tourism in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. I've been in the industry for the last 10 years, whereby uh, I was promoting uh, the gorilla conservation while allowing the rest of the world to come and visit and contribute to sustainability of its environment. By environment, I'm seeing the surrounding communities as well as the land which need to be protected. And so you, it sounds like you've, one of the things you've done recently um, is started a, a nonprofit organization, an NGO that's, that's working in this kind of conservation and sustainable tourism space. Um, what, what you want to tell us a little bit about that NGO and what you all are working on, what your future plans are? So um, after working for such a long time for the government, I just feel like you can get what you want because of all these long procedures. And as you know, my country, sustainable tourism is not one of their priorities because they are dealing with war on one side or on the other side. They are just, you know, they're having quite a number of emergencies. So, uh, we decided to start up an NGO which aims on gender and sustainable tourism, as well as wildlife conservations. Uh, we aiming on transforming or, or on transforming poverty into opportunity. So when you are around protected areas, most of the villagers are farmers, but unfortunately they really don't know how to farm and they start growing food which are going to be consumed by the wild animal. Mm -hmm. And this will bring about, you know, conflict instead of, you know, 
facilitating the collaboration between the uh, the park rangers or management and the surrounding communities. So we train these uh, farmers, mostly women and youth, on how to, which are the good or better types of uh, uh, of uh, agriculture type. I don't know my mm -hmm. English is like yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. The so different, we, different crops, the different crops they might yeah, consider yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. that they might consider so that we may reduce the human and wildlife conflict. On the other side, we train the youth to be guides in the protected areas around us. So we empower them on the tourism management principles on languages mm -hmm. and also sometimes communication skills so that they might be able, you know, to assist or to do the guiding for tourists. Unfortunately, uh, I can say that COVID affected our plans and strategies, which is, you know, which is, uh, which happened like all over the world. And we are yet to recover because uh, suddenly all the borders were closed and due to tension in the region, we have really noticed that not many people are, you know, coming in the country. That's why we like changed the strategy so we are now mobilizing more nationals, you know, to kind of get involved and come and visit or appreciate what they have instead of waiting for tourists coming from uh, outside, uh, outside the country. So for the future, we uh, would like to have like a training center where we can just train Mm, volunteers or I don't know how or, you know surrounding communities on different topics on sustainability not only about tourism but about sustainability and the peace restoration mm -hmm. and this uh, may allow them to like heal or to understand that yes they have been victim but there is a life after being victimized or after you know after the trauma and everything that my people have been suffering here let me give you an example which is like a success story for us in 2020 we had conflicts between the natives we call them pygmies here and the rangers so the natives were claiming that the land is theirs and they don't want people to come around they don't want people to come and you know uh disturb or it's their land, I mean, which is theirs. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, most of these rangers are also from the surrounding communities. So how do we balance it? So in the morning, you wear uniforms, you are a ranger. In the afternoon, you come back home and you're about to be killed by your people because you are the one, you know, working for the other side, you know. Mm -hmm. And thanks to tourism, so we introduced the i mean a friday where youth will come and visit for free 
the gorillas. We were always having a number of 14 people coming in and we are doing like education, showing them why we have to protect for the next generation, why we are doing what we're doing, what we believe in, why we are sacrificing our energy and resources, you know, to protect the wildlife. Mm. And after six months, I think we had like 80% of the villagers coming in and going out. We started noticing a difference. So they could be the one explaining to others, you know, do, during riots or whatever, there will be some people among the villagers will be the one explaining to others that, you know, they're doing whatever they are doing is not because they love it. It's just because they, it's their passion. They are mm. protecting for us. And you could see the other side effect of, you know, climate change and everything. So I can say after... After here, these communities accepted to sit down and discuss with the park on like, uh, you know, an agenda on how to end the conflict, how to work together. And for us, this is a success story because it didn't happen suddenly. It was a process. But I think most of this conflict we have in and around protected areas, it's because we have neglected the power of communication. We have neglected that if these people come in and understand the purpose of whatever we are taking as action, you know, mm -hmm. they might be involved and be great partners so that we can also achieve the expected outcomes. If a protected area becomes viewed, especially by local communities, as a place that's really only available for those people that come from far away, you don't have much incentive to want to contribute to its protection if you feel like it's for others, not for you. And so this idea yeah, yeah. of, of opening up the protected area and, and providing specific opportunities for them, for the local people to realize and enjoy the benefits that those protected areas have and make it make it more user-friendly for the locals first and then yeah. think about the international tourism. That's a, I think that's a fantastic approach. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. the point. Yeah. yeah. In all your work, I know you've worked for the government and now you work for NGO and you've done um, a variety of different kinds of activities. Um, what, are, what are some or one of the, the key lessons you've learned about sustainable tourism from your work over the years that you think might be, be of interest to share with our listeners around the globe? Sustainable tourism is my passion, so I can talk about it the whole day. <laughs> but what I've learned the most is that I was born in a country which has a very bad reputation. You know, when you Google about it, all you hear is war, rape, riots, and so on. And I know many countries, many people around the globe will share the feeling with me if they have been in such kind of environment. But what the media hasn't been telling us is that inside all the chaos and everything, we have hope and we can help natives, citizens, or you know, uh, visitors to come in and appreciate what is left or what nobody is talking about. So I've seen people, I've mobilized people around the world about 
my country. And I've seen that communication is the key. When you communicate with passion, when you can take people genuinely to come and understand the purpose of all your actions. I mean, people who come in, I've seen, I can say out of 10 people who have been in, the nine will go impressed. They have memorable time. They will always be ready to advocate positively for the country, comparing to those ones who have never been here. So for me, it brings me hope um, because I know that if one day we open the borders, if one day we allow citizens to come and understand why we have to protect our country, not just because we have gold or resources, but also because we have natural resources, wildlife resources, we can appreciate the nature. So uh, the other point, the other aspect of it is that we're so busy with the lies you know you woke up in the morning you start rushing all over we don't have time to appreciate what the mother nature has just offered to us so i think the hope i have is that people can cool cool down you know take time to appreciate what they have around and even to explore what they have around because COVID has taught us that, yes, we can do tourism, but not only visitors from abroad are tourists, even citizens, you know, they can also be visitors and they can contribute, sustain the effort of uh, uh, wildlife conservation in their country. In the beginning of the call, you also mentioned um, your work and your interest in, in gender, uh, in women empowerment um, in the DRC. I wonder if you could tell me a little bit more just briefly about why you have this a focus. Uh, why, why is it important for you and your, your NGO to have this um, women empowerment focus? Yeah, thank you for the question. First of all, I'm a woman, so I'm being selfish. <laughs> <laughs> so apart, apart from that, I'm seeing young girls don't have access to school. And I'm seeing some other women leaders who have such brilliant ideas and skills, but since they did not go to school, they don't know how to express this properly. And on the other side, it's because of the domestic violence aspect of the women. Mm -hmm. These women don't have the autonomy to sustain their lives. So they end up in early marriages, poor marriages, and this affects the community. So most of the time, uh when you want to reconcile wildlife conservation and gender equity or i don't know gender activities you'll find that women are at the key center of the actions they are the mothers they have the kids so if you want to have change tomorrow if you want a next generation with different ideas we need these women to be empowered First of all, to have resources to be able to sustain their families. Secondly, to understand the purpose of why, you know, conservation action are being taken. 
And thirdly is to allow these women to be able to speak up and not to be seen as passive actors in the process of restoring hope and, you know, and uh, sustainability in their societies. But at least, at least if we get them to be active, we empower them with resources, with skills, this will allow them to be part of the process. So for me, women play a bigger role not just at the motherhood, but they are really at the center of the communities and they can help us achieve uh, our goal. And I don't think it's being being selfish. I think it's, uh, it's pulling back the power because uh, the power has been uh, too imbalanced towards men all over the world. And I, I love what Absolutely. you're doing. Absolutely. And, and building this equity uh, path forward is, is so important just from a, from a humanity perspective, but it also obviously has um, so many other potential benefits for, for our countries as a whole, for women individually, for our protected areas and for our wildlife. And so I really commend you on that work. It's, it's not easy work. It can be very difficult, especially when trying to break um, kind of cultural paradigms that have existed for a long period of time. So um, definitely wish you uh, best of luck in that in that arena. It's it's very very important. Well, I thank you, Ryan. Yeah, and and you know, Glory, I think you know we can. I'm sure we could we could talk forever. Like you said, we both love sustainable <laughs> tourism so much. But uh, I really just want to thank you for your time today. I want to wish you the best of luck with your with your NGO, with all the work with the communities. Uh, with the women in in these uh, in these communities around protected areas, with the youth, um, there's so much positive work to be done. Also, invite our our listeners to uh, to um, to have a closer look at the Democratic Republic of the Congo and 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 see all of the amazing opportunities that it has to offer. Um, so, thanks so much, Gloria, for joining us. Thank you so much, Ryan, and thank you for having this uh, idea of protecting for hope, sustainability, and hope for the future. It's such a great topic. Thank you for listening to Protecting Hope. To find links and resources from today's episode, visit the Center for Protected Area Management's website or follow us on Instagram and Facebook.